Good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we are here together on this first Sunday of the year to worship God. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. I don't know if it's been mentioned already or not, but if you are one of our visitors, you're our honored guest. We appreciate uh, you being here. We would ask for maybe a little bit of your time after services this morning to get to know you, see what we can do to help you on your journey towards heaven and see how you can help us perhaps as well. If you are visiting with us, there's some blue cards on the back of the pew in front of you. If you wouldn't mind grabbing one of those and filling those out, uh, if you haven't already, and we can collect those, you can just leave them on your pew and we'll get those at a later time. Again, appreciate everyone being here. Our theme for 2024 is the way, uh, and we want to, to think about what, what is the way. We know Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, 14 and verse uh, 6 uh, that he is the way, and we know that in Acts we learn that we are those, as Christians, we are those belonging to the way. What does that mean? What does it mean when we say our our theme for the year is going to be the way? Uh, Here at Jefferson Avenue, we have decided our elders, our shepherds have have led us to to this conclusion that our our mission, our our goal, our, our purpose is to love God and to love others and to be disciples and to make disciples. And when we think about the way this year, we want to follow the way. Jesus is the way. We are those belonging to the way. We're really going to, uh, to bear down on and, and look into uh, practically how can we be disciples of Christ? How can we be followers of Christ? How, what does it look like to be a Christian every day? Not just on Sundays and Wednesdays or times when we gather with the church. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because he is the way and we want to understand that better. So I hope that you will, if this is your first Sunday here or if this is uh, who knows how many Sundays you've been here. I hope that you will continue to be with us and, and worship with us and grow with us. And as we live this life that we will follow the way. That we'll be followers of Jesus and our lives will change because of that. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, uh, the proverb writer tells us, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The scripture reading that was read to us earlier, Jesus describes two different ways, right? He describes an easy way, a, a broad way, a way where there's all kinds of people. The majority of people are on this way. It looks like because there's so many people, it looks like because it's, it's attractive, because it's easy, there's so much room, it looks like that's the way to go. But its end is destruction. And Jesus also talks about another way. A different way, a way that's, that's not easy, a way that's narrow, a way that uh, is difficult sometimes, but its end is life. And he talks about also in, uh, again, John chapter 14 and verse 6, when uh, he's talking to his apostles there about him leaving and they're bothered by this. Uh, and, then, and then Thomas is, is wondering, hey, we don't even know where you're going, Jesus. How can, we, how can we follow you? And that's the question we're thinking about this morning and this year. How can we follow you? Jesus, how, how can we get to where you're going? Because that's where we want to be. And Jesus says, well, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So this morning, as we, as we think about just beginning this, this conversation of the way, let's recognize that, that all of us and, and all of our friends and all of our family members and coworkers and our bosses and everyone we interact with, there is a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but its end is the way of death. And Jesus says there is an easy way, a broad way, a way that looks so inviting because there's so many people there and you would think that if I'm following along with the the wisdom of the world and the, the, the voice of the majority, that's the way to go. But its end is destruction. 
And Jesus says, but there's another way. And it leads to life. But it's difficult. And I think he identifies himself by saying, I am the way. He is that way. Following Jesus is not an easy thing to do. But it leads to this newness of life. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read through uh, a number of different scriptures. We'll be mostly in Romans this morning. Uh, also, just as a top, topic of a side note for that, uh, tonight we're really digging into our, our study of the book of Romans on Sunday night. So if, uh, if you aren't usually coming on Sunday nights, man... There has not been a book of the Bible that's blessed me more than Romans. Uh, so if you're looking to be blessed by God's word, I would really encourage you to, to come back tonight and, and to continue in, or join us in our study of the book of Romans. If you're at all available, we'll be in the small auditorium at five o'clock. We'd love for you to be there. Uh, newness of life in Jesus, in this way that leads to life, which is Jesus, there is newness of life. Romans chapter six, let's read verses one through seven. He's talking to Christians here. He says, what shall we Christians say then? Are we to continue in sin? so that grace may increase. He's just finished in chapter five and really so far in Romans, just, just expounding upon and, and, and glorifying and telling us how awesome God's amazing grace is. Uh, so much so that apparently some people during his time and maybe even some of us would say, well, grace is so great, I want more of it. And if I want more of it, then I need more sin. So let me sin more so I can get more grace. And what's he say? Should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? No way. That's not the way it works. That's not the way we as Christians who are following the way. That's not how this life works. Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we Christians, you Christian, who died to sin, still live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been baptized with, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in, here's the phrase, newness of life. Where does the, the narrow way lead? Where does the difficult way lead? Well, it leads to life. Jesus leads to life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. This newness of life, this new beginning comes from Jesus. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin, our old past life, our old sinful life might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been justified from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ and we do that in baptism, we believe that we shall also live with him. So there's this, this new beginning. There's this, uh, this newness of life. There's this fresh start, but it comes, listen, all of us like the idea of a fresh start, a, a new year, a new opportunity to start over again. Maybe, maybe a new job or a new relationship or we like the, the newness of things. It's a, it's a time for renewal. Well, in Christ, there's the ultimate renewal. That those old sins, those old mistakes, those old uh, things that we've done that we're ashamed of in God's eyes and ultimately, hopefully in all the eyes of our brothers and sisters in Christ, those things are a part of who we used to be, not who we are as Christians. And he goes on in verses 12 through 14, and he says this, therefore, talking to you and me as a Christian, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting your members as instruments to sin of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I love verse 14. This is for, true for you as a Christian. For sin shall not be master over you. Sin doesn't have to rule your life anymore, Christian. Sin doesn't have to be a part of who you are anymore, Christian. 
Because in Christ there's newness of life. That old person, that old sinful man or woman is done away with. For you're not under law, but under grace. We see this in Romans chapter 6. There is this, this new opportunity, this, this fresh start that so many of us want. And then when you became a Christian, whether that was yesterday or decades ago, you appreciated, you looked forward to, and probably one of the reasons you became a Christian is because you wanted a fresh start. And I hope you realized then, or since then, or today, that it is a fresh start, but it's a fresh start with clear expectations. When Jesus gives you that fresh start, he expects you to follow him. See, there is this opportunity, this, this recognition, this privilege, and this, this responsibility that we also have a new leader. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 8 through 10, we've referenced this verse a, a lot. Uh, we, we know this verse a lot, but, but let's recognize what it is. With, with this, this fresh start with clear expectations, the expectation is that in this life under Jesus is that we are under Jesus. He is now the leader of our life. Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. What does it say? The word is near you, in your, near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching Uh, That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with a mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. You see this this confession that we think about sometimes as as followers of Jesus. Uh, Confession is is so much more than just belief. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I used to use that verse all the time when talking about hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Uh, Believing in God, and that is certainly necessary. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But salvation is not just a recognition of I believe that there is a God. No, Romans 10 tells us, I specifically believe in the new life found in the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Christ, there is no new life. And then I also, this salvation also comes not only through a, not only through just a a resurrection and a belief in the miracle of the resurrection, but also a recognition of new leadership. I confess Jesus as Lord. I confess Jesus as Lord. And Christians, I think sometimes that's where we get in trouble. We want this, this newness of life. We want this fresh start. We want the forgiveness of sins. But sometimes we miss, and many times we, including me, fail to follow Jesus every day. Fail to follow the way and to follow him all the way, completely, in everything that we do and all the way to the end of our lives. You see, recognizing that, that Jesus is the Lord of our life is important. Sometimes I think that we as Christians struggle to between do we have a, a facade or a foundation of faith? Do we have a facade or a foundation of faith? Jesus talks about this kind of faith in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. If you want to turn there, that's on page 812 in your pew Bibles. I'm going to reference it and talk about it. But in Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and acts on them, he's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. A couple verses later, he says, but whoever hears these words of mine and doesn't act on him, he's a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
Now, I, I don't know a whole lot about construction or, or that sort of thing, so I, I can't speak to this as an expert by any means. Uh, but, but I'm going to make some assumptions here. Uh, the man who built on the rock, he had to dig down a little bit. He had to get down to the rock. He had to, to make sure his, his footings were sure and his foundation was strong on the rock. The rock wasn't right on the surface. He had to dig down to that. And so that took some effort, that took some time, maybe it took some extra money for him to be able to do that. The man who built on the sand, he didn't dig down any. He just built right on top of the dirt, right on top of the sand. He didn't dig down to, to the rock to make sure his foundation was strong. So perhaps, and certainly this would happen today, I think, uh, the, the man who, who built his house on the rock had to spend some extra money to get down to the, the bedrock, to get down to the, the strong foundation to build his house on. So he, he had less money available than the foolish man did, the man who just built his house right on top of the dirt. So I, I would imagine, imagine this with me, if you will. The, the, the foolish man's house, the man who didn't spend that extra money to dig down to the, the bedrock, he had more money to make his house look really nice. I mean, the, the facade of his house was really beautiful. You know, the, the man who, who spent the money to, to dig down deep, he didn't have as much money, so maybe he just had, you know, just as, as plain Jane outside and exterior of his house as he could. But the, but the man who, who didn't spend that extra money to dig down, he had all kinds of money. He had all the, the, the ornamentation, and, and it, his, his house from the outside just looked amazing. It looked good. By all appearances, it was a strong house. But then the storms came. The rain fell. And the floods lifted. And what happens to that foolish man's house, kids? Remember, it goes, it goes splat. Good job, Benjamin. It goes splat. Christians, do you have a facade of faith or a foundation of faith? When the storms have come or will come in your life, when it's a, a financial storm, a, st- a storm of sickness, a storm of, of death of a loved one, or perhaps even someone very close to you, when it's a storm of, of worry or stress or just a, a season of negativity, when those storms come in your life, what's your reaction? What's your response? Have those things wrecked your faith? Do you know people whose those things have, have wrecked their faith completely? And maybe they blame God. They say, God, I, I did all of these things. I built this, this lovely, beautiful house. I, I, I looked good. Or do you, as a Christian, do you seek refuge in him? You see, I think sometimes we can have a Christian personality without having Christian character. A Christian personality without having Christian character. Man, we can, we all of us, me included, we can look like we've got it all figured out. From all appearances, we can look like we're faithful followers of Jesus, like we're walking in the way every day of our life. We can look like, and this is, this is true for uh, uh, you know, the, the newest Christian. This is true for the, the, the preacher. This is true for our elders and our deacons. This is true for our, our sweet old ladies here at Jefferson Avenue and our, our wise old men here at Jefferson Avenue. You can look like you've got it all figured out. You can look like, you can have a facade, an appearance as if, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But the question is, when the storms come, when difficulty comes, when hard times affect your life, how's your foundation? Do you have a facade, a personality? You, 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 you kind of act like and, and look like and, and speak like and talk like, and, and everybody would say, yeah, that person's a strong Christian. Or do you really have Christian character? Do you have a strong foundation 
in Christ? Have you took, taken the time in your life and in your study and in your prayer and in your relationships to really dig down deep and to make sure you've got a strong foundation with Jesus? Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. And not only this, but we also boast in our affliction. We boast in our hard times, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not put to shame because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom was given to us. You see, sometimes those, those storms that happen in our life can actually increase our faith, strengthen our faith, give us stronger character. And here's the fact, whether you've experienced this or not, if you live long enough, and it doesn't take too much life to experience this, you're going to go through some sort of negative experience. Something's going to happen in your life that you wish that didn't happen in my life. Maybe it's a, a season of negative things. But there will be bad things that happen to you. And in, that, in those moments, maybe no one else will know. But you will know. And God always knows. If you have a facade of faith or a foundation of faith. Of when those storms come in your life, whether your, ha- your house stands firm or whether it falls flat. There's a, a preacher, I think he's down in Alabama, and his name's Clark Sims. I don't know if any of you guys know him. Uh, he, he's, when I was back in youth ministry, he, he spoke a, a lot at uh, a number of different um, youth rallies that I would attend. And, and one of them uh, it happened every year in December. Uh, he would, he'd probably preach every other year just about at some point during that weekend. And he would uh, sing the song that we're going to sing for our invitation in the midst of his lesson. And, and the, the chorus of the song that we're going to sing says at the very end, I'll go with him, with him, all the way. I wish I could do it like Clark did it. I wish I could. He, he wasn't a great singer, but when he said those words and he'd get the whole crowd to sing, man, you felt it. You felt it. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. This morning, as we begin a new year, as we think about the way. Jesus is the way. Christian, we are those belonging to the way. I don't know what 2024 holds for you. I hope it's a fantastic year. But odds are, for all of us, something negative will happen. And for some of us, a lot of bad things might happen. A lot of negative things might happen. I want to encourage you I want to challenge you. I want to ask you and plead with you to make sure this morning, right now, that you are committed to following the way. If you would, if you would take a moment right now to do some introspection and to ask yourself questions like this. Am I really following Jesus Am I really, you know, I've, I've been baptized into Christ. I've, I've named him as my Lord. I, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've been a Christian for five days. But am I following Jesus all the way? All the way meaning as, as wide as your experience goes and all the way meaning as long as your experience lasts. 
how is your relationship with Jesus? How are you following him? Jesus says he is the way and the truth and the life and no one will come to the Father except through him. This past year, at some point in your life, have, have negative experiences taken you off the path? Have you wandered down to that broad way uh, that is easy, but it leads to destruction? Or have you remained faithful to that difficult way that is trying and that is not the easy way, but it leads to life? In the past, in the present, or in the future, could you honestly say or sing the words, I'll go with him, with him, all the way? Here's my challenge. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing it. Don't sing it if you don't mean it. But if you mean it, sing it and live it. Now, the reality is all of us struggle with that. All of us struggle with that. So this morning, just like every time we have a sermon, we're going to offer an invitation. Invitation, we're going to stand here in just a moment and sing this song. And and we, we do that to give everyone and anyone an opportunity to come forward and to let us know, are you going through a difficult time? And for us to pray for you and to recognize, hey, this is my brother and sister and they need help and I want to help them. So I'm going to help them. So if you need that, then this is an opportunity for that. If you don't feel comfortable coming forward, that's fine. Find me, find one of our shepherds after services and let us know. Find a brother or sister in Christ that you you trust and you care about and you recognize they they want your best interest in mind. And just Just don't leave here on that broad path. Just don't leave here on that broad path. Because we don't know when the end of the path comes. But we know it's coming. If you're not a Christian this morning, Jesus died to make a way. And that way is available to you through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. To start that new life with the clear expectation that you'll follow Jesus all the way. If you have any needs at all, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.